This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting from a safe social distance here in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Saw something really fucked up online, Sam, before we were uh, walking in to record the show. What's that? Uh, I saw a, a live stream with Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. She uh, she got the VP name? <laughs> no, no. Although if she did get the VP name, that would be the clearest indication that Joe Biden does not plan on being the nominee. I don't see a scenario where Hillary Clinton would accept being vice president <laughs> at this point uh, unless she knew it was going to be actually be at the top of the ticket when Joe Biden's replace, replaced. Uh, no, she was just there to endorse him during a... Uh, uh, a, a women's issues themed town hall this the the day after uh, more corroboratory evidence comes out backing up Tara Reed's story that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her and uh, a pretty um pretty convincing Rebecca Traster of all people article published this morning about what a tough position Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee is putting women in, particularly female politicians who might be chosen as his vice president or might be called upon to stump for him, which would be in essence uh, trying to whitewash these allegations against him. And Hillary Clinton just jumps forward, hold my beer, I'm ready to do this. If if there is one thing that Hillary Clinton is good at, it's reading the room. <laughs> well, not to diminish what a uniquely awful politician Hillary Clinton was and still is, more what a terrible campaign she ran in 2016, not to diminish any of that at all, but watching Hillary Clinton side by side with Joe Biden, and it's clear how much more in command of the issues, in control of her own words and what she wants to say than Joe Biden. This is the person who lost to Donald Trump, and yet she looks far, far better in comparison to Joe Biden. That's why I wouldn't rule her out as a VP pick. I mean, who wouldn't want to be Joe Biden's VP right now? I mean... (sighs) Being, being Joe Biden's VP, you're probably much more likely to be the next president or at least to be president in 2022 than Joe Biden himself. True. Yeah. Whether or not uh, it's it's a it's a strategy, a known strategy to replace Joe Biden before the election in November, or if it's just like, hey, if I'm VP, as you said, Sam, there's pretty good odds Joe's not uh, hanging around at, in the White House, in the Oval Office for much longer. Not that he's going to die or anything, just that... Uh, he might. I don't think he's got... <laughs> I just don't think he's, he's got what it takes anymore. All right, let's get to it. It's Tuesday, April 28th, 2020. Here's the news. More on the fiscal crises facing local governments across the country. The Federal Reserve is expanding its emergency lending program to city and county governments. The central bank previously said the money was only available to cities with a population of 1 million and counties with a population of 2 million. That threshold has been cut by a factor of four 
The Fed said yesterday that now cities can apply if they have at least 250,000 residents and counties if they have 500,000 residents. That means about 87 cities are eligible for the funds. Previously, it was only 10. More than 100 counties can now also access the lending facility. Previously, only 15 counties were eligible. The Fed also said it was allowing multi-state entities to apply. Shout out to the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority. And that it's also considering a rule proposal to expand eligibility to, quote, a limited number of governmental entities that issue bonds backed by their own revenue. The Fed's facility was capitalized with $500 billion in last month's coronavirus stimulus, Phase 3, the so-called CARES Act. It's designed for short-term loans. And if that's not enough for struggling local governments, that might be tough shit. Republicans are united behind the idea of manufacturing an EU-style sovereign debt crisis. Here was Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin on CNBC today talking about another relief fund in the CARES Act, $150 billion in direct aid to states and cities. Uh, as you know, there was a, a chunk of money. It's now all been sent out to the states and the cities to cover them for coronavirus expenses. And again, we've been clear that to the extent people had to use police to enforce uh, coronavirus issues, public safety, things like that, that they could allocate that money to the coronavirus issues, but that this was not about lost revenues, and that's the way the bill was written. So we hit Great Depression levels of unemployment. The revenue of cities and states dries up because of this economic cataclysm. Too bad. Not the U.S. government's problem. Mnuchin also said, quote, this isn't just going to be a federal bailout of the states, but he did note there would be ongoing discussion about it in Congress. Expect if this does come, it'll be attached to a bailout of oil companies for that grand bargain turd pie. Meanwhile, cruise liners, Boeing, and chain restaurants don't have to beg for a thing when their revenue dries up, unlike our vital state and local governments. Speaking of chain restaurants and the big businesses that are getting government-backed small business loans, Mnuchin told CNBC that loans above $2 million would automatically be audited. He claimed that the Los Angeles Lakers could have faced legal liability if they didn't give back the money they applied for, as they did yesterday. They gave the money back yesterday. You probably read about it in the news. It was all over the news. The secretary also said borrowers that shouldn't have been certified may face consequences. As noted on the show yesterday, however, Treasury released an FAQ on Sunday saying that businesses with more than 500 employees can qualify for the small business money if their net worth is no more than $15 million and their average after-tax income was $5 million. It was question two on the FAQ. The toughest language against big businesses applying was way toward the bottom on question 31, quote, it is unlikely that a public company with substantial market value and access to capital markets will be able to make the required certification in good faith, end of quote. That's the toughest language. It is unlikely. <laughs> unlikely. But even if it doesn't get small business cash, corporate America has other opportunities to screw over the public, and it's perfectly legal Today, the Washington Post reported that $500 billion in emergency loans 
are being made available by the Fed to corporate entities. And unlike money allocated by Congress in the CARES Act, there are no restrictions on companies bailed out by the Fed laying off workers or buying back their own stock. Dims had asked for the restrictions on Fed aid, the Post reported, but Republicans wouldn't budge. A spokesperson for Chuck Schumer told the paper that Democrats won, quote, meaningful concessions from the administration on reporting transparency in the final agreement. In other words, they got nothing. They got absolutely nothing in return. Yeah, what's new in this $500 billion bailout program with no strings attached here? That's more than the direct payments program. That was about $300 billion, the $1,200 checks to everybody, which, like, I don't know anyone who's gotten their check, personally. Uh, I haven't gotten mine. Oh, I I did get mine. Oh, you got yours? Yeah. Well, well, good for you. (laughs) Well, uh, a lot of people still haven't gotten theirs, is my point. And uh, here, they've they've got this, this, this $500 billion going out the door to people, and also... Trump coming out today and saying that uh, he wouldn't support another direct payment program to people, even though the $1,200 was completely insufficient to begin with. Uh, Trump instead proposing a uh, payroll tax cut. (laughs) Also, as a general rule of thumb, if uh, the concession you're getting is some sort of transparency, you're not getting anything. I mean, House Democrats could subpoena any federal agency anytime they want for anything this is nothing in return this is literally fucking nothing no moving on two competing efforts to determine just how many workers will die from covid19 as meat packing plants and amazon warehouses closed due to coronavirus breakouts the afl cio wrote a letter to the labor department demanding that it take action on workplace safety Union President Richard Trumka demanded that the department increase workplace safety standards for essential workers during the pandemic. He also called on the department to apply existing workplace safety rules to the pandemic. Quote, thousands of workers have died and are sick. The Department of Labor and the federal government have failed to meet their obligation and duty to protect workers. The government's response has been delinquent, delayed, disorganized, chaotic and deadly. End of quote. Trumpka noted that at least 284 union members have died from the coronavirus. Now, one explanation for this delinquency is the Trump administration is actually pulling in the exact opposite direction when it comes to workplace safety. The White House, with the support of Senate Republicans, is pushing for a liability shield that would protect employers from getting sued if their workers get killed by the virus. The administration hopes a provision could be included in the next coronavirus relief bill right next to a payroll tax cut. According to the Washington Post, industry groups such as the International Food Service Distributors Association, the International Franchise Association, and the National Association of Convenience Stores are lobbying for the liability shield. The U.S. looks set to approve of Israel annexing large parts of the West Bank. The plan cleared a hurdle to move forward this week after a political impasse was broken in Israel. After three elections in a year, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu reached a deal to form a coalition government with his centrist rival, Benny Gantz. Centrists in the U.S. tried to paint Gantz as a progressive alternative to Netanyahu when it looked like Gantz might form a government last October, 
Neera Tandon from the Center for American Progress tweeted, quote, it's a sign that the wave of Trumpism has crested and the center-left alternative is rising. Many people pointed out to Tandon that Gantz was head of the IDF under Netanyahu when Israel committed a series of atrocities in 2014 and that Gantz campaigned on this military service. To drive home what a charlatan Neera Tandon is, Gantz is now a cabinet member in an annexation government. As mentioned, the Trump administration wholeheartedly approves of this. The State Department said yesterday, quote, we are prepared to recognize Israeli actions to extend Israeli sovereignty and the application of Israeli law to areas of the West Bank. Al Jazeera reported that U.S. support is a prerequisite for annexation moving forward and that officials in Washington do want Israel's new government to talk with Palestinian authorities But this seems designed to give Israel an excuse because Palestinian leaders have already firmly rejected the plans, and they have done so since U.S. support was unveiled in February through Jared Kushner's so-called deal of the century. Last week, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas said, quote, Netanyahu is now talking about annexation. As soon as he makes an announcement, we will take measures. I guess we will see what he means. Abbas is seen by many Palestinians as a collaborator for enforcing deeply unpopular security agreements as Israel ethnically cleansed the West Bank more and more. Finally today, given how government assistance has overwhelmingly flowed to the wealthiest corporations in the country so far during the pandemic, there's a real risk that when this is all over, there will be an explosion of mergers and acquisitions as the big eat the small. Right now, that's not happening. Private equity firms have mostly played it safe as credit markets are seized up and they're tending to their own debts. But the first sign of a loosening credit market could trigger a buyout frenzy, leading to a further consolidated economy and growing wealth inequality. While hoping to prevent that, a group of Democrats in Congress have put forward the Pandemic Anti-Monopoly Act. The legislation would prohibit mergers and acquisitions that involved companies with over $100 million in revenue, banks with over $100 million in market capitalization, private equity companies, hedge funds, or companies that are majority owned by either hedge funds or private equity firms. The bill would also prohibit companies that hold patents related to the pandemic response, like personal protective equipment producers. And the bill also calls on the FTC to promulgate a new rule related to acquisitions that could hinder the U.S. government's ability to respond to national emergencies. The mergers moratorium would last until the FTC has determined that small businesses and workers are no longer in severe financial distress. For workers, at least that's been the case for 40 years. So, uh, yeah. The bill is being introduced in the House by Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and in the Senate by Senator Elizabeth Warren. Unclear if or when the bill will ever be considered. On Tuesday, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer announced that the chamber, at least the House, would not be returning to session next week as previously planned, leaving the U.S. Congress completely unable to do anything to respond to the emerging Great Depression, particularly after Speaker Nancy Pelosi killed off a new rule that would have allowed for remote voting in the House. All right, that music means the newscast is over. Time to read some poetry for our new subscribers over at Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the bonus content and your own haiku written for you and read on the air. 
I'll go first. This one's for Joe. Joe Biden must go. The monkey's paw curls. And then Hillary Clinton. Thank you, Joe. This is for Andrew. Heroes on sick leave. It's not Superman. Here comes shitty donkey man. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. This is for Shannon. Weed month's final days. 100 years until next for 2020. Thank you, Shannon. Probably won't be around for that. No. Finally, in fact, I can guarantee you I will be dead. (laughs) And and so will you, quite frankly. Uh, Finally, this is for (laughs) Barf Drangus. Resistance wears thin. The pilgrimage calls to you. Fried chicky and mash. Thank you, Barf Drangus. And thanks to all the new subscribers... It's patreon.com slash district sentinel. All right, we've got a brand new chip chat coming out tomorrow. We're talking about the FISA court and domestic and foreign surveillance. We've got a brand new Means Morning News Thursday morning, plus the podcast version of Means Morning News. And we'll be back with a garbage can show for subscribers on Friday. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.